Welcome. Today we're going to be learning Pashas Ve'era. Um, uh, last time I gave my email, Yaakov Yosef Ryman at Gmail, and a number of people have written to me, and it's something I really appreciate because, um, and I see from their emails that they are, uh, what I want to do here is to learn Chumash and Rashi, Torah Lishma, that means just to understand what it says. To learn it like I learned Bavakama, to learn, or Bavabasra, to learn the Chumash and the Rashi. It's a, it's a big sugi and Torah, and to learn it. And I see from my emails that the people who, at least those who responded to me, and I imagine that they're representing other people, are, are actually learning along with me. They have questions and they have different ideas that they're offering to the questions that I asked, and it's very much appreciated. Um, one, of the, one of the issues that they talk about, and uh, also there was a comment on Lakewood Scoop, um, also about this issue, is the issue of Midrashim. So I would like to clarify, you know, uh, what I've been saying. I'd like to clarify. Everything that it says in Chumash, everything it says in the Torah, is 100% literal. Everything. There's nothing figurative in Chumash. Every Makkah happened, Kriyas Yamsov happened, Matan Torah happened, the Mon fell, Bereshwin was there. Every single thing that says in the Torah is 100% literal. 100%. The question is, what's with the Divri Chazal? What's with it, what it says in Nagarata, what it says in Midrashim? Now, in this, there are two schools of thought. There is the Rambam. The Rambam says in, in um, Pirkei Ovis, Pirkei Mishnevov, about the things that will never be in So the Rambam says, that uh, that uh, that the is doesn't change things in the world, and if there are nisim, all of those were in were were implanted in the teva during sheishes mebreishes ben That's why the pia osin was never because Rabban Shalom is not going to make a nest with a pia osin later. The pia osin has to already be a tanai in the bria from the beginning. This is how the Rambam learns. And the Rambam generally understands that that Bedrashim are not meant to be taken literally. The Maral also goes in that derech, and so does the Rajba. The Masha goes different. The Masha tries to, as much as possible, to make everything, to understand everything as being literal. Um, Except sometimes, like when the Gemara says that Oigmal Chabasha was Oiker Harim, that's too much for the Masha as well. Masha says that cannot be. And over there he learns it up in Remazim, what it means, Harim is Harim, he has a whole pshat. But in general, the Masha tries to say that it's literal. Both of these are are legitimate. You know, it's not you, you could learn that it's literal, you could learn it's not literal, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever you go for, whatever resonates with you, whatever your, your Rebbe tells you, whatever, I personally follow, my, I personally like to learn like the Rambam, others want to learn differently, that's fine. And what the Sefer Hasidim says, that Osir Legalis, I didn't bring it here today, usually I have it, Osir Legalis Medrash Tamur Lektanim, 
He's, he's talking, he's not taking a position on these two schools of thought. He's not saying whether he thinks that it is literal or that it's not literal. He's just saying that, that, that certain things you tell people after they've reached a certain level of maturity and their amuna is already solid, it's already established, and then you could tell them midrashim, and either you, if you want to say it's literal, say it's literal. If not, also not. But when the ketanim, when the young children who are not mature and not developed yet, and their munas has to be has to be implanted and developed, this is not a time to tell them midrashim, which can be, especially not if you tell them as literal, can be uh, cause them to be skeptical. Now, one of my one of my my uh, correspondents mentioned that what's with the Makas and what's with that Moshe jumped ten Amas and, and, and he hit Oymel uh, Chaboshan on the ankle. So this is exactly what I'm talking about. You can't conflate those two. The Makas are the Makas. The Makas says in the Posik. What it says in the Posik is 100% true. The Makas were, were Nisim. They were deliberately done. The Manshisi, Yisoyisai. The Banshe wanted to show Nisim to Mitzrayim. What about Moshe jumping, what Chazal say, that he jumped and he hit him on the ankle? And so if you do the math, you'll, I'm not going to do it here for you now, but you figure out all the math, how that would make Oigmel uh, Chaboshan 1,500 feet tall, which is taller than the Twin Towers Aleya Masholem. So that's pretty tall. Now, is it impossible? I don't know if it's impossible. Maybe it's possible. The Rabbanu can make whatever he wants. He wants to make, but but is that what it really means? I don't know. Could be yes, could be not. So the Rambam in the Sefer Amoira says that how tall was Agmal Chaboshan? He's medayik in the Psukim in Devarim because Arsoi that that Ag's bed is still in in Rabatamon. So he's medayik. So he says that Agmal Chaboshan was six amas tall. <coughs> Six amas tall, which means between nine and twelve feet. So let's say six amas tall, not fifteen hundred feet. He says Mefurish, he was six amas tall. He says that is the maximum that a human being can be tall. Beyond that, it's not possible for human beings to be taller than that. <coughs> so, so if you're ever standing next to a person who's six five. You feel dwarfed, at least unless you're also six five. But people are regular height, you know, and you think this person is six five, it's like wow, he's so so tall. Imagine standing next to somebody who's seven feet. Imagine standing next to somebody who's nine feet tall. It's enormous. This is a tremendous, tremendous giant. And so Igmal Chaboshan is a giant. Nine feet tall is like, you know. But but it's not fifteen hundred. This is how the Rambam learns. Maybe, maybe the Mashah, I don't know what the Mashah says about that, but maybe the Mashah would say that he was 1,500 feet tall. Maybe. But, but what the Sefer Chassidim is saying is that with Ketanim, you don't go there. You don't go there. It's not a safe place to go. Now, um, later in the Pashim, we come up with another case where, where the question is, is it literal, is it not literal, when we come to Makas Barud. But we'll get there soon. So this parsha it starts with Vayra, 
We spoke about this, that the Rashi over here says that that the Shalom is nostalgic for the others, that that uh, that uh, they never were maharach midoisov, they never second-guessed him, and uh, when Avram had to buy a caver, so he um, he had to buy it for a lot of money. So why why did he pick this exactly? Why doesn't he pick the Akeda? Why doesn't he pick the other Nisyanis? So we spoke about this in Parshas Chayisora, so I'm not going to go back into this now. If anyone's interested, it's... Okay, so... So Moshe Rabbeinu comes, and he comes to, to Klal Yisrael, and he tells them that he's going to take them out of Mitzrayim. He tells them the full Ashonis of Geula, and it says, Vaidabra Moshe, uh, one second here, Vaidabra Moshe Kenel Bnei Yisrael, Vaidabra Moshe Mekaitzer Ruach Mavaydu Kosha. They were, it was very difficult for them to listen to Moshe, they were oppressed and worked hard, and they were, they were not in a good state of mind. Okay, I'll get back in a minute. So now he says like this, Vaidabra Shem Al Moshe Leymar, Vaidabra Al Parim Echmet Saim, Shachs Meisrom Arzai. So this is I told him to go. So Moshe said, It's one of the Kavachimans in the Torah. They didn't listen to me, and I'm an Aral Sfasayim. Why would they listen to me? Which needs explanation, because they didn't listen because of the Kosher. But then he said, Then the Torah goes into a tangent. The Torah goes and is miyaches, uh, it goes through uh, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, then it goes and gets to Levi, he starts going to the of Levi, then he gets to Kos, he starts going to the of Kos, comes to Amram, till he comes to Moshe Ba'aron. This is what the Torah does here. It's miyaches them. Then it says, Ve'idabr Shem HaMoshe Leimer, Ani Hashem, Dabrel Paroi, tells him again, go to Paroi, and Moshe says, so Rashi explains that this is really a repeat of what he said before. Before he told him to go and he said, Now it's a repeat. Why is it repeating? Because when you interrupt a narrative, you have to back up a little bit for a couple of psukim, a pasuk, two psukim, to pick up the thread. Because if you're just going to continue, the, the, the readers or the listeners are not going to connect what you're saying now to what you said before. So you have to back up, do a little more, and then do it again. So this is what he does. So we spoke about this in Parshas Vayeshev, why, why there, there's a difference between the first time and the second time. The first time there's a Kalvachimer, the second time there's no Kalvachimer. And the first, second time it says, Ani Hashem, which Rashi says, Kedai Nishlecha, and Lekayim Divrei Shlechusi. And the first time it doesn't say Ani Hashem. So we were saying that, that when the Torah has to repeat a Pasuk, which is really not needed, you're just repeating a Pasuk to pick up the thread, the Torah wants that each Pasuk should have something of its own, of its own value, and it shouldn't be just a gratuitous repetition of a Pasuk with no, with no additional information. This is what we spoke about in Parshas Vayeshev, Benagei over there, the story with, uh, with Tamar, and Yosef's Mechira. Okay, very good. But the question is, why is the Torah Mafsik right here? 
We're already into Pashas Ve'ero. We've met Moshe. We followed him to, 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 to the house of Para. He ran away. He went to Midian. They came here. He went to the snare. We, we know we've met Moshe. Why is, why is the Torah Miachasim right here? And why at the point where it's smack in the middle of the story that when you, when you finish being Miachasim, you have to go back and repeat another Pasuk. Now you're repeating it with a Chiddush, without a Chiddush, but really the ideal thing is that it should be only one time and the Pasuk should have all the information. You're splitting it, putting some information before, some information later. Okay, good. But why do this? Why, why do this? Why, why stop in the middle and be miachasim and, and, then have to, and then have to repeat the Pasuk? And why here? Okay, so let's look what Moshe Rabbeinu says. Moshe Rabbeinu tells Rabbeinu Shleilam, Eichishmeni paroi v'ani aralz v'sayim. Now, L'chayra, he raised this point already in Pasha Shemois. He said, he said here, So Ba'an told him, Me some Pela Adam, you know? And then he says that, Don't worry, I'm going to give you Aaron. So Aaron will be your, your uh, interface with the people. He will be for you a pair. What is a pair? Rashi says. Al-Kapan, the question is, why is he asking again over here? Aniyar al-Svasayim, Rabban Shalom told him, Misam Peladam, I'm giving you Aaron. So why is he asking again? So Rashi says before, on this passage, Hu yelecha l'peh. Rashi says, L'peh l'meilitz. He will be an interpreter. That means that Moshe uh, Rabbeinu Will be much uh, will speak, and Aaron will interpret and tell people what he said. Over here, when he says Anir al Svasayim and the Vidabashem al Aaron, Moshevah Vitzavim al Parab, Bnei Yisrael, Vitzavim al Bnei Yisrael al Paroi, Rashi says, Official Moshevah Anir al Svasayim. Because he said Niri Al Sfasim to Rabban Shlaylam, you know, attached to him also Aaron. He should be a Melitz, right? But later, he says like this Atu to Daber, it's called Ashad Sabakov, Arnachi Chaydaber Pare. You will say everything I tell you, and Aaron will speak to Pare. Sirashi so says, Ato to Daber Pamachas Kol Shlichas Vishlichas Shishtamatwipi. You will say it once. For Aaron Ochicho, Yam Lidseno, Vyati Menu, Beozne Pare. A different Lashon. Here, before he's a Melitz, and now, Yam Lidseno, Vyati Menu. What's the Pshat in this? Kvatpeh and Aralz Vasayim are not the same thing. Kvatpeh means that you have a speech defect. That when you speak, uh, your speech is garbled, you stutter, it's, it's, there's something, you're, you're, the physical speech is not clear. Aaron knew Moshe, and he was able to decipher what Moshe was saying. So when Moshe spoke, he was able to figure out what he's saying and tell people what did Moshe say. 
Aral's Fasayim is something totally different. It's a different lotion, Kvadpeh, Aral's Fasayim. Aral's Fasayim is something totally different. Aral's Fasayim means Moshe Rabbeinu came with Aaron and he spoke to Klal Yisrael and Aaron was his melitz and it didn't help. They didn't listen to him. So Moshe says, apparently, I'm an Aral's Fasayim. Aaron did take his words and did unscramble them and did tell Klal Yisrael what he said and it didn't help. So Moshe Ben says, apparently, not only am I that I have a speech defect, I can't speak clearly, I'm also an Aras Fasayim, that means I'm not articulate, I'm not eloquent, I can't deliver my message. That's the problem of Aras Fasayim. So the Rebbein Shalom said, okay, by Kvatpeh, I'm, I'm attaching to you Aaron, Aaron will be your melitz, he will be your interpreter, he will say what you said. Now, if you have a problem of Aras Vasayim, that, that you're not persuasive, you're not eloquent, you're not articulate, then I'm attaching to Aaron for that as well. And Aaron is Yamlitsenu, he will say what you say, what the words are, Vyati Menu, and he will articulate your message. So now Aaron's role changed. Before Aaron's role was that he was a Melitz, his job was to be an interpreter. And now, because Moshe Rabbeinu said, the Rabban Shalom said, okay, Aaron will compensate for this deficiency as well. Now Aaron became a, 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 a Melitz and a Matim. He became two. Yamlitsenu v'yatimenu. Now, who was the Moshiach Shal Yisrael? Who was it? So, you would say it was Moshe. But it's not true. It wasn't Moshe. It was Moshe and Aaron. Like the Pasuk says, when the terms miyachas them, who Moshe Aaron, or Aaron and Moshe, the, the Pasuk says it both ways. The Rashi says that Melamed Sheshkulim. That's the reason why it says, Yesh Mekoymes Shemagdim Aaron and Moshe, Yesh Mekoymes Shemagdim Moshe and Aaron, sometimes it says first Aaron, sometimes first Moshe, Lomelach Sheshkulim, Shkulim Ke'echod. They were equal. They were not equal. Moshe Rabbeinu was greater than Aaron. Shkulm Kechot means, Legabi the Shlichas, they were the same. If you have partners in something, so it doesn't matter if somebody's contributing uh, more than the other person or less than the other person, but if if each one on his own could not do it, then it's being done by both. Both of them are doing it. The Mashiach Shal Yisrael was Moshe Aaron, Shkulim Ke'echad, both of them together. The, the, uh, how do we know? Where is it in Zgal and the Psukim? Until now, Shmois, whole Pasha Shmois, everything, it's all Moshe. Moshe was what to the Sneh, Moshe was the one that was sent. You would think that Moshe is the Mashiach Shal Yisrael. However, he's not. When was it in Zgal that he's not? At this point. When Moshe said, Ani Aral's Fosayim, I cannot articulate the message. And the was Mitzaref Aaron to Moshe, that not only should be a male, it should also be a Matim. At this point, Aaron became a partner, 
a melitz is not a partner. If a person speaks and somebody's just translating or 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 uh, just this, uh, the, the, the unscrambling the words and telling somebody what he's saying, that's just an interpreter. That's not a that's not a partner. But if the if he is not only he's unscrambling it, but he has creative input. He is articulating the message. He's explaining it and persuading people and telling them that this is what has to be done, that this is what's going to be. That makes him a partner. So when did Aaron become the partner of Moshe, that Shkulum Ke'echad, when did he become a partner? Right here in this Pasuk, where he says, This is the point where Aaron became the Shosef to Moshe, and this is the point where we realize that the machine shall Yisrael is Moshe of Aaron, Aaron of Moshe, both of them together, Shkulim, hey, neither one could do it without the other, and immediately the Torah is Mavsik and is Miyachas then, and tells you the Yichas. To tell you the Yichas before would be premature, because we don't know yet who is the machine shall Yisrael. In this Pasuk, we discover who is the Mashiach Shal Yisrael. When the Ben Shalom was Mitzar of Aaron, that he should be a Melitz and a Matim. At this point, Aaron becomes a partner. And once he becomes a partner, now we know Mashiach Shal Yisrael was a partnership of Mashiach of Aaron. And immediately the Torah says, okay, now we know who the Mashiach Shal Yisrael is. We will be Miyachas them. And if we have to pick up the thread, we will go back and pick up the thread. Okay, now let's go a little bit further in the Pasha to. Borod. Borod. Borod's a very interesting maka, Borod. I mean, there's a lot to talk about Borod. I'm just going to talk about a few points. So it starts like this. What are we talking about before? I just want to first mention this point. Put the, you know, to bring down the borod, the teis yotcha ala shemayim. What is ala shemayim? So Rashi says ala shemayim, l'tzada shemayim, towards the heavens. Reach up your hand towards the heavens, and with that you will bring down borod. A medrash agoda, what does the medrash say? Higbiyay akadosh baruch hu lemoishe lemalav and hashemayim. He picked them up above the shemayim. He picked Moshe up above the Shemaim. Now, what does this mean? Okay, so again, we're talking about those two schools. Could it mean that the Rabbanisham actually took Moshe and picked him up above the Shemaim? He took him out into outer space. And how did he breathe in outer space? Alpines, he, he was able to breathe. And he took him up over there. And, and from there, he did the Mark of Barad. Or maybe it means something else. Like, why would he do that? Why would he do that? Why would he, why, I mean, all the markets he was standing on the ground. Here the Rebbe had to pick him up and put him above the Shemayim. Why? So I'd like to give an explanation in this Rashi, according to the Shittas, that don't take every Medrash literally. It's possible, you know, if you want to take it literally, it's possible. Hakol Yochel, the Rebbe can do whatever he wants. He can create the world. He can make Moshe breathe in outer space. Could be. Okay, anyway, so, let's take a look at the Makkah. Bansham tells him like this. Oitcham is tells Moshe, he should tell Parai. Oitcham is tell Biyami Levilti Shalcham, Hindi Mamtir Ka'es Mocher Borod Kovid Ma'oid. Tomorrow I'm going to make a very heavy Borod, 
There was never such a hailstorm ever. Okay? And now he says, go take your, take your uh, livestock inside if you're really worried about it. If not, but this was the warning. The warning was that there will be a tremendous hailstorm. There's never such a hailstorm. Okay. Okay. Now, what happened was, there were koilois. There were loud noises. There's no mention of loud noises in the beginning where he says there's going to be borod. He says there's going to be a borod kovin It doesn't say there are going to be these, these deafening noises. It doesn't say that. But now he gave koilois. And then Pari said, Too much. Too much. I can't stand these koilois. And then he says, I'm going to go out. The koilois are going to end. Paroi was more concerned about the koilois than he was about the borod. The koilois were, were like he couldn't deal with them. They were making him crazy. And he said, then the borod also. But the main thing he tells them about But in the warning of the Barad, there's no mention of Kailais, only Barad. So what are these Kailais? And then it says that when it stopped, they stopped. It didn't hit the ground. So Rashi says that even those pieces of borod, even those hailstones that were in transit, they stopped where they were. didn't get to the ground. So in other words, the hailstorm stopped. Now, if you have a hailstorm, you have, you have hails, you have hailstones like maybe an inch off the ground, two inches, three inches, a foot, ten feet. The whole, air, the whole atmosphere is full of a torrent of, uh, of hailstones. So if everything stops and it doesn't hit the ground, that means everything is frozen in place. That means that, that right now the hailstorm is over and the whole atmosphere is full of hailstones. There are hailstones like uh, an inch off the ground, two the whole, everything is full of hailstones. It's just static, it's not moving. It's all static. So, so and then it says in the Medrash that these, that these hailstones came down in the time of Yeshua, they came down Yericho. So, what, is, what, what exactly does this mean? What they, so, so, if you walk the Mitzrayim, if the Mark is borrowed, you have to go like this, and, you know, <laughs> open a path through the hailstones, and you could walk, because otherwise it was like, you know, the whole air was full of hailstones. And then what happened? 40, it stayed like that for 40 years, and 40 years later, all the hailstones picked themselves up, and they moved to Yerichai, and they fell on Yerichai. What does this mean? So, there's a, there's a Sefer HaChinuch says that there's a mitzvah, there's a mitzvah 
to, that, that even though there was Eish Yardim and Hashemayim in the Beis Amikdash, but there was a mitzvah to bring Eish Menahedya. What does Eish Yardim and Hashemayim mean? How would you imagine that, what? Oh, like that, yeah, there's like a, a, a streak of fire coming down from Shemayim, right? A streak of fire coming down. And, uh, but there's a mitzvah to bring Menahedya. Why is there a mitzvah to bring Menahedya? So the Sefer Chinuch says, because the Rebbein wants to be mechasa the nest. He wants to conceal the nest. Now, if Eshiyad Meshmayim means a column of fire is coming down from the upper atmosphere, straight down to the base of Migdosh, like a pillar, a pillar of fire, how does bringing a torch, Eish uh, uh, how does that cover that? You know, the Rebbein likes to cover a nest. That you have the Kriyas Yamsuf, the wind blew a whole night, as if, like, you know, partial concealment of the nest. So over here, we want to conceal the nest because we're going to bring a fireman in the head yet, but there's a, there's a pillar of fire. How does the fireman in the head yet conceal that nest? So you see from this, which I think is pretty clear, Eish Yardim and Shemayim doesn't, the, the word Shemayim has two meanings. The word Shemayim could mean the sky. It could also mean the Olam Elyon. Olam Elyon is, you know, in the Shemayim, when it comes to Shemayim. Every the Shemayim is with the, with the, with, with his Bezen Shemal and the Malachim, there's the Olam it's called Shemayim. And the sky is also called Shemayim. So, Eishor Meshemayim doesn't mean that the fire came down from the upper atmosphere. It means it came from the Olam Elyon. It spontaneously appeared. There was, right, there was, all of a sudden there was a fire. Where did the fire came, come from? It came in Hashemayim. This was a holy fire. I don't know how fire comes in Hashemayim. I really don't know. But this was a holy fire, and it came from the Olam Elyon, from the Makar of Kedusha, came out this fire. And this was what was needed in the base of Megdush, the, the, the holy fire of the Minashamayim. But you brought Eshman Hedjit to cover it, so you didn't see the fire appearing spontaneously. But there was no pillar of fire. It was coming Minashamayim. So, so, Barod came Minashamayim. It came from Shamayim. It didn't come from from, uh, you know, the stratosphere. It came from the Olam HaElyon. It came out spontaneously. It came out. Borod came out. When it's Loinita Charza, that it didn't come out, it didn't come out, it remained in transit, that means it never came into the Olam HaTachtoin. It remained in the Olam HaElyon. So when you walk, you didn't have to go, you know, you know, move away the, the, the curtains of, of uh, hailstones. No, it was there were no hailstones. Where were they? They were suspended in the Olam Elyon before they entered the Olam Atachtoin. That's what it means, Lainita Charza. So 40 years later, doesn't matter. They can come down here, they can come down Yericha, it doesn't matter. <coughs> they were in the Olam Elyon. They never came into the Olam Atachtoin. 40 years later, they came to Yericha. So, the Olam Elyon opened up. The Makkah was the, the, the borough, the hailstones. When the Olam Elyon opened up, the, the sounds that they, that they heard, the coilers that they heard, were the coilers of the Olam Elyon. The sounds that were there in the Olam Elyon, that's what they heard. They heard the sounds of the Olam Elyon. Listen to the Balachumas. I mean the Balachumas, excuse me. The Balachumas, I'm busy with with uh, Chesh Mishpat. 
Hakoilus yechdolun vaborad oid. The pasuk says the koilus are going to stop and the borad will not be again. He didn't say the koilus are never going to be again. These koilus that Pare heard over here, those koilus will be heard again by Matan Torah. When the Olam Elyon is going to open up and the, 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 the barrier between the Olam Atachton and the Olam Elyon will be removed, then we will hear the koilus of the Olam Elyon. When Borat came down, the, 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 that, that barrier was removed and it came straight from the Olam Elyon, we heard the koilus of the Olam Elyon. That's what the Balaturim is saying. There's the koilus of the Olam Elyon. And, that's, and that was not a makkah. The makkah was not the koilus. The makkah was the barod. But the barod came from the Olam Elyon. When you opened the Olam Elyon, I, he, he couldn't handle these. The, the, the sounds were too much. That's what was bothering him. The sounds were, were intolerable. The borrowed was, was secondary. The main thing he was concerned about was the koilus that came from the Olam Elyon. So that's why in the Maka, there's no mention of the koilus. The koilus was not a Maka. The koilus was not a Maka. But when the borrowed came down from the Olam Elyon, that's when there were koilus. So what Rashi is saying, what is Rashi saying? Moshe Rabbeinu had a shlita over the Bria. He had his mata, he had his hand. Moshe Rabbeinu was given the power over the world to make all kinds of nisim and all kinds of moifsim. Borod came from the Olam Elyon. Moshe Rabbeinu did not have a power over the Olam Elyon. He only had a power of the Olam Atachton. However, for this maka and malamed, shegbiya kadshbarchu lemoshe lemalu min hashamayim. The Baruch Shalom took Moshe just for this maka and he gave him a shlita over the Olam Elyon, the Shamayim meaning the Olam Elyon, that he would be able to bring out Barod from the Olam Elyon into the Olam Atachton. That's what it means, malamed shegbiya lemalu min hashamayim. That's what I think Rashi is saying. Akuponim, if you, if you insist on saying that Rashi means that he took him into outer space, it's okay, but just don't tell it to the children. Anyway, thank you very much, and, and uh, I hope to see you again next week. Thank you.